0: I call you to do something that you can't do. Unless you have Christ, though, there are many things you cannot do. And if we're going to be honest, it's more about God doing in us than it is us doing anything. I can promise you I am who I am today. is not because of me. Only God can take a wretched, evil soul like me and make me something new. And if you're sitting in there this morning or listening online and you have not been made new, listen, you're missing out. Because when you come to Christ, listen, as the old say goes, the best is yet to come. He will grow you in the grace and the knowledge of Christ and he will expand your platform to which you can invest your gifts for the edification of the body of Christ. It's a beautiful process. Work out your salvation. Not not work to be saved, but because you've been saved, work out your salvation. Begin to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ that you
1: might honor God with your life. Welcome to Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Pastor Stuart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship of Ridgeville in Early Branch, South Carolina, and he's been teaching a series on 2 Peter. We want to grow together with you seeking real knowledge from the truth of God's Word. We hope that you'll join us as we begin Getting in the Word. Here's Pastor Stuart.
0: Well, I've entitled the sermon this morning, Perseverance of the Saints. And so we'll be looking at Second Peter Chapter 1, verse 5 to 11. We've been trying to understand in Second Peter the idea of false teachers. For they are on the rise in our day and will be as we approach the last of the last days, as Scripture reminds us. The first section of our outline was to show that we can see and understand false teachers by ultimately understanding our salvation. Two weeks ago, we talked about understanding our salvation by understanding the person of Christ. And last week, we looked at understanding our salvation by understanding the power of Christ in us. And in this week, I want us to continue that idea, is that we understand our salvation through perseverance as Christians in Christ. And so, verse 3 shows us that we have been given the power of God that lives within us. And that it is indeed a joy to walk faithfully in the Lord as Christians. To know that we have everything pertaining to life and to godliness, that we can indeed walk out the victorious Christian life. So when my life is not bringing honor and glory to God, it's not because I haven't been given the tools. It's not because you haven't been given the tools but maybe some other circumstances which we've allowed to infiltrate our lives to hinder us from living out this victory. Why? Well, because perseverance is the mighty act of God to preserve Christians by His power through their ongoing faith until their salvation is complete. And so, it could be a sin that has invaded your life, that you are committing, that you are justifying in your mind that it's okay, that has hindered this relationship. It could be a struggle that, that you have, that I have, through a problem in life that has begun to overtake us and to run our lives and allow it to paralyze us from moving forward in the Christian life. Could be that we've lost a perspective on Christ and Him crucified, and that we are so wrapped up in our own selves that we can't see beyond our own life. It could be simply a lack of faith that's hindering our walk with the Lord. And We see in Hebrews 12.2, turn there if you will. We're going to have some Bible flipping today, so I hope you have your Bibles with us. Um, but turn in your Bibles to Hebrews Chapter 12, and we're going to look at verse 2. I'll start in verse 1. therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before us, before Him endured the cross, despising the shame. And he has set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Uh, the reality is, is there could be a lot of things in our life that are preventing us, but ultimately, if we are not living out the victorious Christian life, if we are not persevering as the saints, then we are not pressing ahead, are we? He has given us everything we need to do that. And so we must trust in and believe that Jesus Christ, ultimately through His saving work in the life of the believer, has given us the Spirit of God to indwell us, to grant us the power to make it possible that for you, His children, that you can live and understand the victorious Christian life. Because it is God that will cause you To persevere as His saints. That that should encourage you. That that should drive you to to be encouraged to know that it is God who is at work in your life in my life that gives us the ability to walk in victory. Nobody likes to fail. Nobody likes to stumble week after week, year after year, month after month in sin. No, we can walk in victory because He has given us that ability. And so, we need to understand our faith through perseverance. It's vital in, in, in standing against false teachers. So if you will, turn with me again to 2 Peter chapter 1, 5-11. to There is... One major thing that I want you to understand before you leave here this morning. Perseverance of the saints is, listen, expected by the Lord. It is taught throughout the Bible that we are to persevere as believers. Perseverance simply means it's a steady increase in the direction of godliness. Godliness. Perseverance is not completed by you alone, but includes the work of Almighty God in your life and through your life. But God expects you and I to do our part in it. Wayne Grudem defines perseverance of the saints as those that are truly born again. And the fact that they will be kept by God's power and will persevere as Christians until the end of their lives and that... Only those who persevere until the end have truly been born again. Paul Washer says the proof of your salvation is not that one time you prayed a prayer, but that you continue walking with Him. That you have faith. I was meeting with one of the elders this week, Brian, and we were having lunch and we were discussing the topic of faith. And we determined or we discussed the idea that faith is, listen, it's an action. It's like love. I can tell you I love you. I can tell my, my beautiful wife I love you every day for 10 years. But if I'm not showing it, I'm nothing but a clinging symbol. Speaking words of worthlessness. No, love is an action. I don't need to say anything to her. But if I show her that I love her. Well, listen, you can say, hey, I am of the faith. But if you are not actively walking in that faith, then, then it's like love. It could be meaningless. I mean, I could believe 100% if I were to die today or Christ were to come back, that I would go to heaven. I could be 100% of that and be 100% wrong. I could stand on top of a building and believe 100% that I could fly. And jump, what's going to happen? I'm 100 percent going to hit the ground. Gravity is rough, because I can't fly, no matter how much I believe I could. The reality is is faith is an action. That's what perseverance of the Christian. Is that there is this progressive act by which God in His grace continues to grow us and sanctify us and move us forward in our progressive work and walk with Him. We find scriptures like John 8 31. Turn there if you will. John 8 31, when you get there, say Amen. We're look at verse 31 and 32. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed Him, He says this, If you continue in My Word, then you are truly disciples of Mine. I have circled, if, continue, then, the, 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 the proof is that you continue walking with Him. Now flip over to Matthew. I could have did Matthew first and then John, but I want you to be able to flip around. Matthew 10.22. Matthew 10.22 says, You will be hated by all because of My name, but it is the One who has endured to the end who will be saved. See that progressive sanctification. That that, that finished work, the enduring of the believer. Let me ask you a question. Are you enduring in the Christian walk? Are you walking faithfully in the admonition of the Lord? Flip over to Colossians. Is Jerry somewhere nearby? Would somebody unplug the power on this speaker, it's going to make me batty. It's uh, feeding off this telephone service. Thank you. Uh, Colossians 1, starting in verse 21. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet He has now reconciled you in His fleshly body through death in order to present you before Him holy and blameless beyond reproach. If, there's that word again, that if indeed you continue in the faith firmly established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard which was proclaimed in all creation... Under heaven for which I, Paul, was made a minister. The point that I'm trying to communicate is that those who claim to be born again from above, listen, are called to walk and to persevere as believers. To grow in the grace in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. There is no way that Paul knows the hearts of everyone in this church, but what he can say to those over time that have fallen away, listen, they were never really of the faith. You've heard it said, Johnny walked away from the faith. Bobby was a a godly boy, but he walked away from the faith. Well, listen... If you leave out from the faith, you never had the faith. If you, if, you, if you were not saved later down the road, you weren't saved earlier down the road. First John 2.19 reminds us, they went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out so that it would be shown that they are truly not of us. There is no greater test of true, genuine salvation than that of time. Too many times in this culture in which we live, we want to confirm the salvation of people because they walked an aisle, prayed a prayer, and they absolutely have no fruit. No, listen, the, the, the Almighty God, when He comes to take residence up in our lives, there will be change. Because He is God. And it says He gives us a new heart. We are new creations in Christ. The old things have passed away, and behold, the new have come. The reality is is that when God does the miraculous work of salvation, you will grow. You might grow a tiny little bit, but there will be change. There will be fruit. And where you are today, you will not be in five years. You will continue to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ and you will continue to persevere as believers. Jesus said you will know them by their fruits. He didn't say that to condemn the people, but ultimately to encourage the people. There is no greater evidence in your life if you are a true believer than the fruits that you show. So what are the fruits? Well, love, patience, peace, joy, kindness, self-control, on and on and on. I've always liked to say it this way. If you took a picture of my life every time I did something wrong, you would have a photo album of a bunch of mess-ups. And you probably condemn me to hell. But if you looked at my life through a video, you would see a progressive growth. I think the best idea of what I noticed this week was Telegram. In Telegram, there's a little place there you can look at the statistics. And if you look at our church on Telegram in the last seven days, you, you see this decline. And if that's the only perspective we have, then it looks like it's super bad. But when you take that statistic and you spread it out over the whole time that we've been on Telegram, it looks like this. Right? Why? Why? Because it's growing. That's our lives in Christ. Listen, you may do really good for a year, and then you may have a really tough situation for which God is growing you and sanctifying you and making you more into the image of His Son. And when you grow, He says... Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that what? The testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that why? You may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And then one day, when Christ and you go to meet Him, because that's the way it's going to happen. You're going to die, or He's going to come here, and you stand before Him, He will say, well done, my good and faithful servant, and you will be glorified. But until that day, He calls us to persevere in our walk with the Lord. Now let me clear up some misunderstandings. I'm not talking about a salvation by works. But works show that God has changed our lives. James 2.18 says, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Perseverance is, listen, the process which we can see God's saving grace in our own lives. And therefore have confidence that we've truly been regenerated, that we've truly been saved. I I was telling Wednesday night, we talked about this very topic. And I said, there's one thing that I never do. I never question my salvation. Why? Because Christ saved me. I didn't earn it. I didn't gain it by my own abilities. And therefore, because He did the work, He he will see it to completion. Because He who began a good work in you will see it to completion. So, So perseverance, listen, is evidence of true, genuine salvation. Jesus anchors our eternal salvation in the will of the Sovereign Father. The Holy Spirit seals us at... Salvation at the moment we trust to give us the assurance of our salvation. And Peter describes our salvation, listen, as an internal inheritance that every Christian will indeed get. This idea of perseverance comes along with eternal security, guys. We can be certain of our salvation because it is a work of Almighty God. And so with all that in mind, let us look at our text this morning, 2 Peter 5, 1, 5-11. He says, Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. And in your moral excellence, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind, short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about His calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the inheritance into eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus will be abundantly supplied to you. Three things that I want us to tackle to understand, first, the Christians should try their best to persevere. Secondly, the, the Christians should try their best to pursue. And thirdly, the, we as Christians should try our best to perceive. The first point that I want to communicate deals with our desire to persevere. He says, verse 5, Now from this very reason also, applying all diligent in your faith, supply, moral, excellent. Two questions that we have to ask right off the bat. And the first is, what is he speaking of when he says, for this very reason? And then the second one is, what does he mean by supply? What does he mean when he says, for now, this very reason also? Well, he's simply looking back. For the very reason that, listen, you have been given the precious and magnificent promise. The very reason that you have been given everything in order to live godly lives pertaining to life and to godliness. And we we talked about how those two words tie together mean godly living. The very reason that you, listen, are partakers of the divine nature of God. You are to apply all diligence. God doesn't ask us to do things that we can't do. What is impossible with man is always possible with God. Because you are Christians and you are followers of Jesus Christ, you have been given something special. Because you have been given the great and wonderful gift to do your best to live godly. So he says, apply all diligence. The word here in the Greek gives the expression that is used in trying to accomplish something, trying your best to demonstrate this progressive action. And so while we believe that God is ultimately sovereign, we also believe that God is most active in part of growing us into mature Christians. Scripture teaches us that we need to strive for it as well. Not to just simply wait back on God to change us. No, but He is working in us and through us for His glory. Rather, we walk alongside of God in our lives that we might become mature in Christ. And there's a daily repentance, isn't there? I mean, I don't know about you, but the world I live in throws curveballs at me all day long. And if you are ever a ball player, when someone throws a curveball, the first reaction is to step out of the plate until you're trained that that ball that's coming at your head is actually going to end up in the strike zone and you just have to sit back on it and wait and pull the trigger and watch it ride. But many times we bail out, right? Listen, God is working in us and through us. And when the difficulties come, the first thing we want to do is bail out. God wants to grow us in those trials, in those difficulties. We see God work most greatly. I think about Gina and Dale, the difficulties that they're facing. By God's grace, I encourage her to set up a GoFundMe that she could have access to all of the world to help give and there was a a gift that was given for $10,000. And that donor wanted it to be a matching fund, and so we said, let's shoot for it. And God gave the $10,000, and so we put it out, and in two days, another check came for $10,000 to match it. And it's still coming in. Listen, it's in those most difficult circumstances that we can see God at work. Because many times, it's when we are in the valleys of life that that's the only time we look up. Right? Paul said, give me me not so much, Lord, that I forget about you. Don't don't give me so little that I have to go and steal. Just give me what I need. Right? That's the reality. So we're called to, to, to walk with God in our maturity. We need to try our best is what it's telling us, because we've been given what we need to walk and be successful as believers. Have you ever wondered why some Christians genuinely flourish, grow and produce fruit, and others seem to just plunge along with very little change in their lives? I think it was Wednesday we talked about it and I said, Don, if you had a a blueberry bush that didn't grow, what would you do? And I said, wouldn't you cut it down and replace it because it needs to bear fruit? Well, that's the same thing. Listen, we must bear fruit because every tree that doesn't bear fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire because true, genuine conversion bears fruit. Now, I'm not your fruit inspector. God doesn't call me to go around and, and judge your fruit. That's, that's between God and yourself. But the reality is, as true Christians bear fruit, and it's a process of sanctification, God is working and growing. But where do you put yourself today? Are you bearing fruit? Is there life change? Are you being delivered from sin? Are you walking in the victorious Christian life? I wonder if sometimes we don't because we don't try. We don't study the Word. We don't memorize the Word. We don't even really desire many times to go to church. Many don't attend Sunday school. They don't pray. They, they, but they expect God to bless them and grow them. Every year I fertilize my plants because I want them to grow the best that they can. We need to make sure we are growing. We need to make sure we're doing everything in our ability to grow. I want to grow. It was Steve Lawson said, Preachers don't preach enough. That's why they're not great preachers. He says, find an opportunity to preach and preach. I've grown more in the last two months of my life as a pastor than I've ever before. Why? Because I'm preaching 14 times a week. About an, average on, about an hour on average. And God is growing me. Listen, there is never a time in which you grow more than when you teach the Word of God. Because people ask hard questions. And it causes you to grow. It causes you to mature in your faith. Listen, we need to be involved in what God is doing and utilize the gifts that He's blessed you with. You will give an account for how you use your gifts to edify the church. And Sometimes I wonder if we just don't try. Why are we asking God to guide our steps if we're not willing to move our feet? Peter says here, we are to apply. We're to make every effort. Uh, Philippians 2.12-13 says, So then, my beloved, just as you have also obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is it, it is God at work in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. God is not going to call you to do something that you can't do. Unless you have Christ, though, there are many things you cannot do. And if we're going to be honest, it's more about God doing in us than it is us doing anything. I can promise you, I am who I am today. is not because of me. Only God can take a wretched, evil soul like me and make me something new. And if you're sitting in there this morning or listening online and you have not been made new, listen, you're missing out. Because when you come to Christ, listen, as the old say goes, the best is yet to come. He will grow you in the grace and the knowledge of Christ, and he will expand your platform to which you can invest your gifts for the edification of the body of Christ. It's a beautiful process. Work out your salvation. Not, not work to be saved, but because you've been saved, work out your salvation. Begin to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ that you might honor God with your life. You know, I tell my kids, hey, clean the house. And I walk in the house, and the house is clean. the first thing. Say, Daddy, come here. Look what I did. Right? They're proud that they, they know their father's going to be happy. But listen, your Father rejoices when you're walking in faith. We don't do it so that we can boast ourselves, but we do it to honor God. Right? God is at work. I met a a man, we talked about salvation, and he was always uncertain. Each time I saw him, he was worried that he wasn't going to be saved when Christ returned. He was worried about his eternal security, but he wasn't active. He wouldn't come to church. He wouldn't participate in Bible studies. He was simply going through the motions, and I encouraged him, get plugged in. Use your gifts for God's glory. You see, when we live our lives to honor God, to please God, we can become confident. Not so that we can brag or say, look how godly I am. That's what the Pharisees did. That's pharisaical. They're they're simply whitewashed tombs on the outside, yet dead bones on the inside. So, So how can we apply this kind of action to our lives? We talk about it. It sounds good. But how do we live this out? Well, let's just think a minute. Let's say this year I wanted to run a marathon, which is a joke, by the way. Now, I wouldn't just wait to, to, to the day that it's time to stand, stand on the line and, 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 and make that race that run. That, that would be rather foolish as, uh, as, as, as the pastor. Because the reality is, is if the race started right here and, and the marathon began to go that way and run down through Yamasee and I don't know how far that is, but ends up back here, I would die before I got to the head of the road unless I trained, unless I prepared. Listen, we must prepare for action. We must make Christ our priority. God gives an athlete everything he needs to be a professional player. But listen, even professionals must practice or he will not become all that God has created him to be. Listen. Listen. As a coach, the, the job of a coach is to make someone do that which they do not want to do so they can become that which they want to become. And listen, as your pastor, I, I, I'm going to call you to do things you don't want to do. Why? So that you may be all that God has called you to be. So I may th- say things that step on your toe. Listen, I, they've been stepping on mine all week. I may call you to serve in an area that you're not really uh, uh, designed for, and, and, and it's a struggle because you haven't been gifted with the gift of evangelism, but I'm going to call you to go share your faith. I, um, I, I'm going to call you to be hospitable, even though you may not be gifted with hospitality. I'm not gifted with mercy, but my wife demands that I have to show mercy. Right? It's a process. Right, We want to be all that God has called us to be. And so we as elders, as pastors, are going to push you to do things that necessarily you may not want to do, so that God can use you to His fullest for His glory. So what are some spiritual disciplines we need to strive for as Christians to ultimately live out what we're called to live out here? Well, it begins by reading the Word of God. If, if this is the living, active Word of God, how in the world do we expect to walk faithfully in the Lord if we're never reading our Bible? If this is how God speaks to you. If I never spoke to my wife, my relationship would be terrible. But the reality is that many of us don't read the Word of God and we wonder why our relationship with God is so in shams. So we need to be reading the Word of God. We need to be meditating on the Word of God. We need to be memorizing the Word of God. Right? Joshua 1 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall what? Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. So then you will be what? Make your way prosperous. Then you will have success. If we want to walk out successfully in this Christian life, listen, it begins by studying and reading the Word of God. Sanctify them in Thy truth. Thy Word is truth. So, reading the Bible for Christians is like like water for a fish. It's a necessity. Without it, you will die. And the reality is, is, there are malnourished Christians, millions and billions of them, scattered across the globe who are absolutely malnourished because they haven't been in the Word of God. That's not a, not a hit against you, it's an encouragement to you that God wants you to participate in the studying and the reading and in the, in, in the growth of the Word of God. Not to go, oh, sh- you know, he's beating me up again today. No, I love you and I want you to grow and I want you to enjoy and I want you to live out the victorious Christian life. But don't, don't buy into the lie that you can do it apart from the Word of God. It is our food for our soul. Man must not live on bread alone, but what? On every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And I've been reading a couple of books and the second major area I think we need to consider is the area of prayer. Books like Ian Bounds, The Power of Prayer. If you've never read it, get in it and read it. You'll read it in one sitting. And when you're done, you'll go, am I even a Christian? The man's so powerful in prayer. H.B. Charles, I've just got done reading a book on prayer by him. Great book. Great brother in the Lord. There's many. You pick whichever one you want. Begin to read it. But the reality is, is when we understand what prayer does, we begin to see the importance of it. Listen, God can do more in a tiny fraction of a second than we can do in years. Right? That is a reality. And most of what God is doing is a result of somebody's prayer, whether your prayer or somebody else's prayer. We're all called to pray, to fight our battles on our knees, To wage war in prayer. As I read some of these books, I came up with these concluding thoughts that I wrote down to myself as a, a great reminder. There are no excuses for me to not pray daily. Because when I fail to pray, I choose to fail Every day that prayer does not take place in my own life, I'm walking in my own power and strength, and it's only a matter of time before the body grows weary and the flesh fails. Therefore, prayer is the heartbeat. Prayer is vital. Prayer is a non-negotiable in the life of the Christian. The spiritual discipline of prayer is one that needs to be mastered when we see and understand that the Creator of heaven and earth desires us to pray and calls us to trust in Him and not our own abilities, we then will begin to see that the Lord can accomplish more in 30 minutes than we could ever in 30 years. We need to be praying, people. And if you haven't prayed all week, that's okay. We're going to start today, aren't we? We're going to start relying on God. We're going to wake up in prayer. We're going to walk through our day in prayer. We're going to drive down the road in prayer. We're going to pray before our dinner. We're going to pray while we eat. We're going to pray after we eat. We're going to pray before we teach. We're going to pray before we preach. We're going to pray wherever we are. That's the beauty of prayer. You can pray wherever you are. Select some times in the day that are most unproductive. The shower. There's nothing you can do in the shower but wash yourself. So might as well pray. Take opportunities. When you're driving down the road, don't get in a trance, right? But pray. Use those moments to pray, to talk to the Lord. Jesus set the example of prayer. Listen, the disciples prayed. King Asa prayed. Nehemiah was a man of prayer. All the great leaders soaked in prayer, and we are called to pray consistently in Scripture. We need to set prayer as a spiritual discipline for the believer. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplications and thanksgiving, make your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Work on those two things, at least. Begin in spiritual disciplines in your life, which will help you preserve your walk with Christ and persevere as a believer. So Peter says now, for this very reason, apply all diligence in your faith. Notice that to to apply means to give it your best, to give it your best efforts. But we are called to do it with all diligence. The Greek word for diligence is spoudeia. It means an earnest commitment or to do something with eagerness. So let me ask you personally, are you trying your best to live in a way that honors God? And are you doing it with eagerness, urgency, as if you are truly a born-again follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, God will bless you. God will grow you. And He will use you in mighty ways to impact people for Christ. Your spiritual gifts will become radiant. And they will draw people to you. But I fear we don't. I fear the church is laid down. Now, don't miss that we are called to do this in our faith. Now for this very reason also, apply all diligence, what? In your faith. It's only by faith that you can activate this kind of lifestyle. Meet with brothers and sisters all the time struggling with the victorious Christian life, but it wasn't until they heard the true gospel, repented and believed and put their faith in Jesus Christ that He saved them and gave them the ability to walk by faith. When you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you are dwelt with the Spirit of God. That is why Scripture expects us to persevere. It's no longer I who live, but what? Christ who lives in me. And He says that He will teach us all things and bring to remembrance all that we have said. All that He has said. So we're to do this in our faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. He's speaking to Christians here. He's reminding them of who they are in Christ. He's given us all that we need to accomplish this kind of lifestyle for his glory. And so the second point that I want us to make today, not only should we as Christians try our best to persevere, but we should try and pursue. Now, for this very reason, he says, apply all diligence and in your faith, moral, uh, supply moral excellence. What does it mean again to buy supply? It means to provide something into an in addition to something that already exists. What already exists? Faith. So we are to provide something out of the faith that we already have. And here he says it's moral excellence. That's only possible for those who are in faith, have placed their faith in Christ. It simply means that we need to have the ability in Christ to be good toward other people. We need to develop the discipline of doing good to others. Flip it over to Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 1 to 3. We talked about this in one of our Bible studies this week, 10 o'clock, Monday night, Thursday night, I can't remember which one. But it says, therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling with which you have been called. Are you walking worthy of the manner for which you have been called? With all humility, with all gentleness, with all patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And then he goes into, that. The, 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 there is here's the unity. This is how we walk in unity. This is how we persevere. Is that there is one body, one Spirit. Just as you were called into one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, through all, in all. So the reality is, 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 is we are to... We are to supply moral excellence. And in your moral excellence, he says knowledge. Knowledge here gives the idea of the understanding of having discernment of God's will and purpose in the world. We need to know the difference between good and evil, don't we? That there is a large uh, reality that we are being infiltrated with the idea of confusing good and evil. That which is evil, they call good. That which is bitter, they call sweet. When when the Bible says, woe to you who call evil good and good evil. But it is a sign of the last of the last days and boy, we're living in it. Let me ask you a question. Do you know the difference between good and evil? Then we need to stand up for it. We need to say that's wrong and this is right. That's why I love men... Who preach the truth is we're standing for the truth of God's word, revealing the lies of the enemy. People lose their minds over biblical truth, and they stand against the perverse culture. Knowledge is to know the difference between good and evil. And perseverance is acting on the good and not the evil. And so he says in verse 6, And in your knowledge, self-control. So he's he's starting to go through a a consistent walk through different elements. You will see, once a person understands the difference between good and evil, then that Christian should try his best to have self-control. Turning away from what is evil and rather doing what's good. And like I told my children over the years, self-control simply means being able to control one's own body. It speaks of a person that can tame their passions and desires and therefore abstain from excessive physical pleasure. That's tough. I like the whole steak. I like two biscuits and the macaroni and the sweet tea. And I like seconds. Right? That's that's everybody's different. Right? Everybody's different. Everybody's struggles are different. Maybe you've been watching things on the internet that you have no business watching, and you have not exemplified self-control. Maybe you ladies have bought into the lie that you are not beautiful the way God made you. And you're looking at all these Photoshopped women, and you're comparing yourself to them, and you've lost the perspective that God has made you in His image. And you and you've, you have no self-control and you just keep diving back into it and you want, why am I so depressed? Get off of social media for a little while. Right? Stop buying the lie. Maybe self-control is that you are listening to music that doesn't honor God. And you keep pouring it in. I, listen, our children are being impacted. Right? Everybody knows the songs of the contemporary culture. The Old Town Road, the horse song, whatever that is. See, the enemy slipped that in. It's a really good, fun song, isn't it? But then he produces shoes that have 666 on them. There's 666 of them made. He has a devil worship video where he does inappropriate things with the devil. Same guy. But the devil got you in with that good little cute song that the kids are walking you know, singing, the devil's crafty, guys. We have to make sure we're protecting our children from this perverse generation. Right. Because that's okay, but Mr. Potato Head's bad. <laughs> Isn't that the stupidest thing you've ever heard in your life? But that's how perverse we are. We have been It is a Romans 1. God has turned them over to a depraved mind. Not us. We have to be self-controlled. We have to filtrate everything. We have to make sure that we are taking that which is good and not making it bad because that's really the the reality. Those things that, that, that are being misused, many of them are good. The devil calls us to misuse them for bad. So part of... Of walking and in, in, in self-control is is making sure we we be reminded of passages like romans thirteen fourteen but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify his desires right and and, and, and when we when we fail, we just need to repent. And ask God for forgiveness and move on. Stop letting that weigh us down. We're children of God. And we can have victory in this life. He's paid for it all. He said on the cross, to telestites, paid in full. It's a tax term. means it's paid for. You owe nothing. He has saved you past, present, and future. So walk in faith. Walk in obedience. And when you fail, Sit back and go, I made a mistake. And and press on. Become better by trusting and relying on the Lord. So, we have to be careful with our tongue, with our eyes, with our hands, what we do, where we go. We need to try our best throughout this walk with Christ to have self-control. And then he says, in your self-control, perseverance. So I think he understands the order is pretty interesting. When you you think about the order, he he says self-control and then perseverance. How can you persevere if you have no self-control? You see how this is unfolding. It's not until we become self-controlled that we can begin to persevere. This deals with our belief in God and having the ability to, to endure. And in your perseverance, he says, godliness. It's a process. Once we begin to grow through these stages, our life begins to bloom and we become more godly for the Lord Jesus Christ. You could hear say godliness is built on perseverance, self-control, and knowledge, and moral excellence. If you are struggling with self-control, you struggle in your godliness. If you're struggling with knowledge and being able to determine right from wrong, truth from error, then you will struggle with godliness. And if you struggle with moral excellence, you will fight with obtaining, Without obtaining godliness. And so he continues, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness in the New Testament gives the idea of affection between fellow believers. That's right, we should be considerate to one another. Instead of breaking them down, we should be building one another up. We should want to love and to fellowship with each other, not fight and express our opposites and disagreements. No, we focus on what we agree on, the essentials. That's why in this church there are seven core doctrines you must believe in order to be a part of this church, a member of the church. But we have a whole lot more doctrine than that, but we know that's where we need to be unified. I mean, it's helpful to be unified in all those areas. But the reality is is we must show brotherly kindness. These takes discipline and work and it's hard work. And when you start experiencing this, the joy that overcomes your soul, you it will grant you grace and peace and joy and comfort to know that we love one another. Are you praying for one another? Are you walking faithfully with one another? Are you calling and checking up on each other? How are you doing this week? Do, do you have a list of members? I mean, we all have round. You can, you can pull it up on your phone. And you can just swipe through the whole membership list and begin to pray for them. They don't even need to know. But wouldn't it be nice if you just texted them and said, hey, I'm, I just want you to know I love you and I'm praying for you. Right? Be concerned with one another. Be concerned what's going on. Know, know one another and what makes them tick. I mean, Brian and I had this conversation the other day. Like, how, Do we really know one another and love one another? If that is important. Showing brotherly kindness and to love, he says. And so he says in your brotherly kindness, love. L- love is the greatest of all. It's the end result of it all. Colossians 3.14, Beyond all these things put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. The King James Version says perfectness. ESV says perfect harmony. I long for this unity. I hope you long for that unity. But it comes from being spiritually disciplined and acting on the ability that Christ has given you as a Christian to persevere as His saints. To accomplish these Christian virtues. So the third point I want to make, not only must we persevere and pursue, but thirdly, Christians should try their best to perceive. We need to become aware of those qualities and ask ourselves, are we doing them? Because verse 8 says, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's where we all want to be, isn't it? You don't want to be fruitless, do you? You don't want to be useless, do you? And in this verse we see that there, there, there could be an increase which, will make, which makes me think that not all of them uh, have all of this right now. Maybe you're here and you're thinking, I don't have all of these down. That's okay. It's a process of sanctification. But we should desire them. We should be increasing. And the only way to determine that is to become aware of them and understand them and act on them. And when we are growing in these qualities, listen, we are not deemed useless or fruitless. That There is no one here that can say today that there is nothing that they can do for the body of Christ. There's nothing that you can do for the church. God is, you are special. I mean, you're created in the very image of God, Genesis 1 26 and 27. You are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You are something. And God has created you for a God sized purpose. He wants to accomplish it in you and through you for His glory. That means God will use you wherever you are to bring about His will in your life. And he says here in verse 9, For he who lacks these qualities is blind, short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sin. There is a reality, guys, that that we can fall into a rut and be this way. To be short-sighted. To be blind. And that's why the body of Christ needs one another to encourage one another. Because when you're in that place, there's nothing greater than to have one who loves you to come alongside of you and encourage you to excel for His glory. So, let us look through the lens of correction this morning and see our faults and no longer desire to be blind by lacking the very things God has made possible for you and for me to have victory over. Let us not forget where we come from, what we have been brought from. You remember who you were? You remember who who you were before Christ came and saved you and transformed you and made you a new creation in Christ? I remember who I was. a matter of fact, everybody I know remembers who I was. And they're going, you're a preacher? Really? Holy moly. Listen, if God can do it in my life, He can do it in yours. If God can use the Apostle Paul, He can use you. If God can use the Apostle Paul who persecuted and killed Christians and used him to write 13 books of the New Testament, I promise you, He can use you for His glory. But we must stop, gather ourselves, repent, ask God to forgive us, and begin the process of persevering as His children. We can't forget where we came from. We don't look back there and hold on to it. That's what I was. And if God forget about what I was, I ought not be worried about what I was, but who I am in Christ. Because when God sees me, He sees me as holy and righteous and perfect. Why? Not because I'm something special, but because of just like the Passover last night as we taught about, I'm covered in the blood of Christ. doesn't matter who's in the house. He was looking for the blood. Doesn't matter how much faith you had. I'm sure there were some in the house who said, Praise God, God's going to save us tonight. They didn't have any children. But those with firstborn in all of Egypt. Oh, what if I didn't do it right? What if I didn't do it right? But the, when the Lord passed over, he saw the blood. <laughs> and they were delivered just like the ones who lacked faith and the ones who had faith. Listen, we are covered in the blood of the Lamb. We are, we are cleansed, made white as snow purified, made right with God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, he says in verse 10, Brethren, brothers, sisters, be all the more diligent to make certain about His calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. You won't be convinced that you're not a believer. If you're walking out in holiness, if God's using you to bring glory to Himself, you'll be convinced you want to know why so many people fail to believe they're truly born again? Because they are not in the things of God. They cannot see fruit. They don't have evidence. And the reality is, is they may not be. Because He who began a good work in you will see it to completion. And I don't say that to confuse you or discourage you, but the reality is, is when God saves you, He gives you a new heart. And He changes you. And He indwells you with the Spirit. You're not a waste of space. There's no way He would do that. No, He will finish it. He will see it to completion. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. He says here in verse 11, for in this way the interest in the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. Listen, for in this way, be sure of your salvation by truly perceiving that you are a child of God. And if there be any doubt in your mind, repent, believe the gospel, and be saved. And let today be the first day of the rest of your life. There, there's nothing to be prideful about if you're not a believer and follower of Jesus Christ. I'd rather know now than when I get to stand before the Lord and I'm separated from him eternally. Right? No, we, we want to know now. Now is the appointed time. Now is the appropriate time. Today is the day of salvation. Put your faith in Christ and believe the gospel and be saved and let Him begin to do a good work in you. You'll begin to see the evidence of a life filled with fruit and the Christian characteristics. The entrance into the eternal kingdom, heaven, which is of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. This a glorious event he says, we'll be abundantly supplied to you and to me. And for that, we can rejoice. To know that no matter the difficulties that we face, the struggling news we get, the financial burdens that we all encompass sometimes, and no matter how bad of a husband you have that has walked out on you, that's cheated on you, or a bad wife that has had an affair on you, cheated you, no matter how many of your children have walked away from the faith, no, you, it says, He will give you the abundant supply. And for that we can rejoice. When you see Him face to face, oh, it will be what a wonderful day that will be. It's not what you do that gets you there. It's the work that has been done to get you there. Will you put your faith in Christ today? And for those who are already believers, listen, let us start today and press forward so that we know that we're persevering as Christians in the faith. Because we are saved by faith alone and that faith alone, listen, is never alone. It's always accompanied by the work of the Spirit of God because He will be glorified in and through us for His glory.
1: Let's pray. We want to thank you for joining us on our program today. We pray that you are challenged and encouraged and hope that you'll stay connected with us for the weeks to come as Pastor Stuart walks us through 2 Peter. If you don't have a church home, Pastor Stuart would like to personally invite you to join our worship service at Family Bible Fellowship in Early Branch, South Carolina on Sundays at 11 a.m. Our mission is to know Christ and to make Christ known. For more information about the church, visit us at familybiblefellowship.org. You can also follow us on social media through Facebook, Twitter, and Telegram.